0: You know, my thing would just be like if you are a non-Black person and you have Black friends, hire them. You know, what I think is so sad is not too many of my colleagues, not too many, who are not Black hire me. A lot of my work comes from other people who are Black. And I didn't, I mean, like we just said, we were tokenized. So I didn't go to school with that many black people, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just like other black people that I've met. Um, and that's just an easy thing, right? Since all of us were tokenized, if you're not black, you probably only know two black people that went to school with you. So it's not that hard to hire them. Um, I would also just broaden your own repertoire and your own knowledge of what it could do for you. I think if people think they're doing black people favors by hiring them. You're doing yourself a favor, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, why, when did you want a more diverse experience? You enrich your own life when you have more diversity in it. So if you're looking around and everybody's like you, whatever you may be, you need to ask, how can I be somebody who changes this? Not asking the minority person or the person that's not in the room, how can you get in the room? You need to open the door. That was Artina McCain of the McCain Duo. She's joined by her other half, Martin McCain,
1: and this is Musical Therapy. We are Grace and John. Your hosts, and Jesus, we can't even keep up with shit anymore.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We can't even find a quiet place to record because it's almost the Super Bowl, and we live in sort of a densely populated area. There's a lot of noise outside, so we are in a bedroom closet right now.
1: Yeah, we are pulling out all the stops for you, listener.
2: For this Incredible audio. So. Grace is like pressed up against some of my suits and shirts, and it's a little bit hot and sweaty in here, not gonna lie. But we're I'm doing... fine. You're fine. I don't know
1: about you. That, that, that but... sounds like a you problem. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we are really pumped to share this week's interview with Artina and Martin. It is a doozy, it goes all over the place.
1: Yeah, talk about. A journey.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> we literally did go on a journey. We talked about life. We talked about relationships, career, mentoring people, white male
2: mediocrity.
1: Yes. That seems to be a common theme on our podcast. I'm here for it.
2: <laughs> Grace's favorite topic in the world.
1: And John's least favorite topic.
2: It hits a little close to home, not gonna lie. No, just kidding. It is a incredibly important thing to discuss and bring to light. But from what you could probably hear in that opening clip, you know, a lot of this conversation where we end up going revolves around their positions as black people who are full professors in music. And
1: and, touring concert artists? Yeah,
2: they're legit. And unfortunately, there just aren't a lot of people that look like Artina and Martin in those sort of positions or in positions of influence within the classical music world, within academia. So they share a lot of thoughts that are really important to unpack related to that.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you heard a good bit of it just in that opening clip and soundbite and if it made you uncomfortable i really want you to unpack why and really sit with that feeling you know it just goes to show that we have lots of work to do yeah still we and you know i'm here for celebrating the steps forward that we have taken i'm here for acknowledging that but we can't quit
2: nope And there are things you can do in your life. And I think that soundbite and some of the conversation we went through with them really shows that. I mean, yeah,
1: talk about a call to action. It's as simple as hire your black and brown friends, hire people who do not look like you, hire people who might challenge your perspectives a little bit.
2: Yeah. And, you know, that doesn't even just apply to. If you're on a university faculty or if you're on a hiring committee, I mean, this is if you need to refer someone for a gig, if you need to refer a student somewhere.
1: Yeah, if you need photos, if you need a website.
2: Yeah, find people to hire. Find people to hire that don't look exactly like you.
1: And also go create stuff with them. You know, it's so common for us to just create within a vacuum and a bubble. Of people who look like us but art doesn't really work that way we don't create art in a vacuum so work with people who don't look like you who might have something different to offer than you who might push you a little bit to go outside of your comfort zone I mean imagine the kind of art that would come out of it
2: yeah I
3: weird. think
1: something really incredible would happen
2: it'd be awesome So. The original reason we wanted to have Martin and Artina on our podcast was that it is Valentine's Day coming up. I haven't forgotten, Grace, on my calendar. (laughs) But, you know, they're a musical couple. And we know a lot of musical couples that really struggle with balancing their career and their individual aspirations with their lives together. Mm Mm-hmm. And we were super interested to hear Martin and Artina's story and really how they balance this now, because it's kind of amazing. They've, they've figured out how to make this work.
1: They've, they've done it. They've done the thing. And I'm sure they've made plenty of compromises, but when you hear them talk about how much they support each other and how much they want to see each other win and what they're willing to do to make sure that happens, it gives me hope, y'all. Like We, we can actually have it all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's really, really good stuff. Something that is, I feel, pretty unusual amongst musician couples. and Maybe
1: just period, too. Maybe
2: for anybody, but, you know, Grace and I really struggled when I was doing music full-time as well. There were weeks we never saw each other, schedules that completely contrasted, and Even after that, too, I mean, there was a time when you were heavily considering moving across the country, going back to school. I was just
1: starting this
2: new job, and I asked you not to do all that, to put that on hold for me and my career. And it's something looking back on that I think was my biggest screw-up in our relationship so far, was trying to, to hold you back for my own selfish purposes and my own career ambitions. And it wasn't right. So we're trying to learn how to be better and support each other better still. Yeah, and it's we're not still easy.
1: struggling with it. And, you know, we're not trying to paint John as a villain here. <laughs> Thanks. I, the, the, <laughs> the point is, is that it, it happens all the time. We see it all the time where someone is making a major sacrifice and putting something aside for a partner and not necessarily having that favor return down the road. For sure. And so, you know, we're still trying to not define each other's success. I have to remind John of that all the time. (laughs) I
2: just have some major questions sometimes with the new project Grace has launched or how she's spending her time, but I'm trying to learn how to... Not judge how to be supportive. And as it turns out, you're always right. And whatever new project that you've started leads to something really cool. I'm playing the
1: long game. Yeah. You You and and I are playing different games here. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, when you love someone, you really do have to trust that you are part of their vision and that your best interest is part of that vision.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Well, before we get into our interview, we just wanted to give all of our listeners a shout. Thank you for listening. We've received so many kind words and words of encouragement via Instagram, emails, whatever, and we're kind of blown away by the number of people actually wanting to listen to us blabber about whatever.
2: (laughs) It's been awesome. We've had so much positive feedback, and we're really excited to keep sharing these interviews with you all.
1: Yeah, so if you want to help us out, Give us a five-star rating if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. You can follow us on Spotify. And tell a friend.
2: Yeah, tell someone you know that you think would enjoy this. That's probably the best single thing you can do to help us out and help get the word
1: out for sure and if you want to keep up with us follow us on instagram at musical therapy pod you can find beautifully curated quotes from our guests and maybe a little preview of the next week i don't know i like leaking a surprise every now and then yeah
2: gotta follow us on instagram grace is um up there on there cooking up some amazing content making it look really really sharp and sharing some of the inspirational tidbits important takeaways from each of these interviews
1: Definitely. And side note, shout out to AKG for hooking us up with some new mics.
2: Yep. Grace is used to having music gear companies send her free stuff, but definitely the first time I've ever gotten yeah, anything. They for were free. kind enough
1: to send John a mic. They My replaced team. something for him, which was very generous. So thank you, AKG. My yeah. very
2: own microphone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, without further ado, here's the McCain Duo.
2: All right so we want to introduce everybody to Artina and martin mccain aka the mccain duo how's it going y'all hey,
0: hey we're doing great doing well yeah how are you guys so going? glad to be here with you
2: yeah. <laughs> we're doing well it's really fun to connect with you we've been looking forward to this a lot and haven't seen you guys in person for for a few years now i know Artina, you're in in Memphis. Uh, Martin, you're uh, at Texas State. Where are you all? I can see you're in the same room right now, though. Even though where you've got where are y'all
1: geographically speaking? Like, where are y'all on the map?
2: <laughs> We're at our home in Memphis right now. Yeah. <laughs> in Memphis. Yeah. Awesome. We drove through Memphis this summer. We took a, a road trip to see Grace's family, um, uh, who live in in Chicago. So we spent the night in in memphis so if we end up doing the road trip again this summer if y'all are there we'll have to we'll have to reach out we liked it a lot it's a oh yeah yeah. we were at the
1: elvis hotel oh
2: yeah yeah. on the way back yeah (laughs) that was weird Yeah, I found a budget hotel room uh online and didn't realize it was an Elvis themed hotel.
0: Oh, uh, you might have been in a different one than we are thinking about.
2: <laughs> yeah. It was like pretty nice and, and like kinda of fancy, but definitely Elvis themed. It was it was the weirdest place I think I've ever Yeah, happened. there was singing. Uh, Some guy was just
1: going at it on the wow. piano. He sang sweet Caroline, lots of people.
2: Yeah, in the middle of a pandemic it was it was a trip. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah cool well let's um want to give you guys the chance to introduce yourselves really quickly for anyone who doesn't know you so maybe artina we'll have you go we'll go first but you want to give us just the the high level sort of executive summary here mm-hmm. of yourself your music career <laughs> i know it's hard to uh put in a in a in a summary but if someone didn't know you what's the what's the what's the short version of the bio
0: i should have practiced this <gasps> um, <laughs> <laughs> well My name is Artina McCain. I consider myself a concert pianist and educator. Um, Currently, I am the coordinator of keyboard area at the University of Memphis, uh, where I teach applied chamber music and some pedagogy. And then also, I am the pianist in the McCain duo with the illustrious Martin McCain, who's also my husband, sitting next to me. And I have a really cool album that everybody should listen to, which just won a gold global music award. Um, for Congratulations.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I'm keeping my chops up even in a pandemic.
2: <laughs> yeah did you record it all over the course of of quarantine here or was it a long longer term project?
0: Well no I actually recorded it pre-pandemic but with less to do I actually had time to publish it so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there you go that's awesome and well maybe we'll get a little deeper into that later in that whole process because that's super interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Martin, how about you? Give us the, the summary of uh, who you are and what you do, too. All right. So I'm Martin
3: McCain, and I just consider myself a trombonist and educator. I um, Mainly a, a bass trombonist um, is like my primary instrument, but, you know, do all the doubles. I am the professor of trombone at Texas State University um, in San Marcos, this is my 11th year on faculty there and there I, you know, teach applied trombone and I'm the music director for the Texas state trombone choir and jazz trombone ensembles. Um, in addition to playing with the McCain duo, um, I play in a lot of different types of ensembles, uh, orchestras, um, big bands, uh, the Broadway touring shows. Um, I do a lot, of, I love chamber music and, um, play with a couple of chamber groups. And so, Um, Yeah, that's me in a nutshell, and I love barbecuing is a huge hobby yeah mine. and yeah coffee. we've seen uh, social media posts
1: <laughs> Ugh, i'm always hungry i'm just like when are we gonna get invited to eat
0: <laughs> <laughs> as soon as the pandemic's over big
1: party.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice a future side hustle martin <laughs> definitely so, uh, <laughs> we, do, you, do you ship you gotta put it on on dry ice or something? a lot of people down been, down to, have been asking about
3: that and so i'm yeah, you know, I'm thinking that's going to be in in the near future for sure.
2: Oh man, you got to keep us posted because I see the pictures online and um, it, it looks amazing. Grace started a uh, cookie business side hustle over over quarantine too, so it, you, you should totally go for it. and open, open up the food business as a musician on the side. Yeah, that's,
1: we'll uh, be first in line. Be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's super cool. Well, both of you, you know, have these positions at universities those are really really highly coveted uh hard hard to get get positions as as professors at the schools uh schools like the ones you teach at was that always the goal going through school getting doctorates ending up um teaching at the college level
0: want to go first sure i'll go first we have totally different stories yeah Yeah. nice nice (laughs) that makes it more interesting (laughs) Right.
3: (laughs) yeah like i really wasn't considering like teaching college until like after my first year, of my master's, I mean, you know, we go to music school, especially if we're majoring in performance and to be honest with you. The only thing that really taught is like, you're going to play in an orchestra and you got to take those auditions. And so like I was on that trajectory and then moving to Texas and having the opportunity to teach a lot. And you know, that's how it was paying the bills. I really enjoyed teaching. Um, I loved working with students and especially if the uh, The private lesson um culture in texas is was you know amazing it still is amazing and i really enjoyed that and i mean i saw my teacher like uh, my graduate school teacher at ut my undergrad teacher and i was thinking i really like what they're doing you know like they get to work with serious students but still had opportunity to still freelance too um there wasn't this rule that you couldn't do both And that's when I decided that, you know, like getting a doctorate might be like a good idea. And, um, going to university teaching, I didn't know that the first semester of my doctorate was going to be the first semester I was going to be teaching college as well. So, um, I, I jumped
2: in like pretty early, like my first college job, I was 25 years old. Oh,
1: Wow. wow.
2: Yeah. So you're getting some experience there in the process. Uh, where, where were you teaching at that point?
3: I was teaching at Houston Tilton University, which is a historically black college and university in Austin. And like, that was a really interesting situation because I would go to work and have my professor hat on, and then I would have to drive under the interstate, interstate 35, <laughs> and then put my student hat on like in the <laughs> same day. And so, um, yeah, that took some adjusting, especially that first semester.
2: Nice. Nice. That's, that's awesome. And then how... How long after school, or was it during school? Even did, when you ended up at Texas State. Um, so I was at HT for three years, and
3: then I moved to Arkansas, Arkadelphia, Arkansas, mm-hmm. and I took a position at. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no one knows where that is. It's, did we drive it's through like, there,
1: John, on a road trip? I think yeah, we did.
2: I think I. I think you wanted to stop and buy a T-shirt or something just because of that name.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: I'm pretty sure you did because it's on I-30. It's like uh, maybe 40 minutes outside of Little Rock, pretty close to Hot Springs. Everybody knows where Hot Springs mm. is, and actually that's where I lived when I was teaching there. I just commuted, um, but I taught at Henderson State University like for one year, and then a position opened up at Texas, Texas State, and then I moved back to Texas and been there ever since. Nice. <laughs>
0: That's where I come in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Well, that's when we met. That's, that's why I said that. that. Okay.
1: <laughs> we were gonna ask about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're hear getting to that. The detailed meet cute, but after you catch us up on the other storyline.
2: <laughs> yeah, we gotta catch up on <laughs> the other storyline here. And and Artina, take us up to that point too in, in um, your career. We'll get we'll get into the good stuff after that.
0: Um yeah, so I Also, I think my career has just been evolving as I evolve. You know, I find that I like certain things. I don't really plan it. I know a lot of people plan. Maybe you should just stop planning and then things will happen for you, okay? <laughs> so I I always really wanted to just be on sort of the concert career track. I went to conservatory. I was one of those people who practiced that like practicing. I a lot of people don't.
2: What a concept.
0: Oh. <laughs> but then I injured myself. And so when I injured myself, like, I went to Cle- – well, so I went to Southern Methodist University for my undergrad. I went to Cleveland Institute of Music for my graduate studies. And while I was there, I injured myself. So that kind of totally derails the whole concert um, path and competitions, which is really big for pianists. And so I had to spend some time, you know, soul searching that that's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) So you can put that on your your notes. Uh, But during that time, you know, not being able to play, I mean, not even able to play like Yankee Doodle for the little kids I was teaching. I was like, man, I got to, I got to do something else because this is maybe not going to work out for me. And so that's when I actually started thinking about getting a second degree or the third degree in the doctoral studies at UT Austin. I actually took some time off to sort of work on healing my body. And during that time off is actually when I got my first university job, which was a godsend, really. I mean, literally, I was at church one day and this woman was like, do you want a job? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and she was the friend I'm not lying y'all this is what happened. She was friends with the piano professor at Baldwin Wallace Conservatory of Music which is in Berea, Ohio. It was like August 3rd, I don't know, and school started August 20th. And so they had lost their piano professor. I don't I really don't know how it happened and so they needed somebody like now like literally like I need somebody who can start in two weeks and so that that's how I got my first job you know barely an interview process that's wild <laughs> Yeah. Wow. they needed somebody now and so I started I, I didn't have any experience I was like you I was like 25 <laughs> like seriously fresh out of my master's degree so fresh that the students were bringing the CIM brochure that had my graduation photo on it to class <laughs> <laughs> it was so embarrassing so um they're like did you just graduate i'm like yeah i did six months ago sooner than you (laughs) so that was my first job um i don't even think i've ever told that story see you guys get good good stories out of me um
1: (laughs) we're getting all the jokes. so
0: um i was kind of tired of the cold weather and like i said you know i had injured myself so i thought you know i maybe should change paths. Maybe concert career is not going to be for me. I need to think about further studies so I can teach. And that's when I went to UT Austin. And I also worked at Houston Tillotson, which is kind of how we met too. Um, and I was working at several other universities outside of Austin, at, you know, an adjunct position. So that's kind of how I got roped in literally two weeks before school started. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: know, it's funny. I think on the last episode, we talked with with Drew Ford about Sort of being prepared when that opportunity presents itself, being ready to seize it, and sort of how you have to keep developing yourself in the background, even if you don't know exactly where it's going to go. And maybe we need yeah. to add going to church on the list, because that's where... Uh, <laughs> first,
1: <laughs> I mean, where it's where like I always say, sometimes opportunities come from the least likely sources or... Um, sources that we didn't even know existed. Yep. <laughs>
2: exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Cause I
0: wasn't going to church to get a job. That day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you weren't all in and it for the networking. We were
0: not a musician, so it's not like I was, you know, trying to network with her to get a job. I didn't even know she knew any pianists.
2: <laughs> right. That's an amazing story. That's, in- that's incredible. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Now, so you got to Austin, you're both teaching at, uh, Houston Tillotson University, going to UT and you all met so did you think that you were going to oh, yes. end up yeah. with another musician is that what you uh imagined for yourself I'll let you answer that one
3: first. Oh
0: no I didn't <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't I didn't think I was gonna marry musician at all yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah same, same here too I mean so like when we when we met and I'll, I'll just the story how we met because mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's really interesting. Um, because we we actually weren't working at Houston Tillison at the same time, right? Um, I met her when I was working there. We actually played at a black composers concert at UT. Um, we were on the same program, and I remember her backstage, and yeah, you know, I remember hearing her play. I thought she sounded great, and you know, like afterwards, you know, I you know, f- friend requested her on Facebook, and like, and really that was that was it. We didn't talk. Like what? A year? a year or a couple months, <laughs> um, several months, because then I'm, I moved to Arkansas and then she, then she's working at HT and then I'm about to move back when I take my position at Texas state and a mutual friend, you know, says, you know, you guys should like meet, um, you have some similarities. And so when I moved back to Austin, then that's when we, um, like we had our first date, uh, August, 2010. And then, then fast forward a year later, August, 2011, we got married. Whoa! Oh. <laughs> so we weren't even we weren't even in school together at ut because nope. she came in the semester after i graduated
0: mm-hmm.
2: i
3: got you.
0: yeah
2: <laughs> yeah grace and i never overlapped at ut either you were there a couple of years after me so but it's a it's a small world for sure mm-hmm. that's that's awesome so you know going back you said you didn't uh, expect artina to marry a musician uh, why why do you think that was like before you met martin why why would you maybe think that you you wouldn't end up marrying a musician
0: oh i guess again i didn't really plan it but i just wasn't looking for one sure. you know i prefer- you know, in music school, you just sort of end up dating people who are there because that's where you are. So I just was never looking for those opportunities. Yeah, I was always trying to sense. find friends outside of the music yeah. building, which it would have been hard for me to marry one if I didn't have, you know, a lot of connections, at least, you know, in the music building, which of course I had both, but I was always very interested in other communities outside of the music building.
3: And this is why we're, we're tight, because I was the same way, you know, I'm, I... <laughs> I was involved with a lot of things. I was a weird music major because I was involved in things outside of the building. I was very involved in my fraternity. Um, in undergrad, I was like in, in Student Government Association. And even I had a unique um, experience when I was at UT because like my first year, like I was a teaching assistant for the Center for African American Studies. So, you know, like grad students, you're always in the music building. But I wasn't always in the music building. I was like, you know, I got to actually hop around campus. So... I was always just interested in like what other people do besides, you know, music musicians all the
2: time. For sure. For sure. And that's a really rare quality in, in both of you because I feel like most of the music students that I know and, you know, myself when I was in music school, we get pretty focused down into the the little friend group and people in your studio or that you play an orchestra with. And I think it's part of why sometimes people don't, really start to grow as as whole people until you're out of school you sort of end up broadening your horizons a little bit because you end up in this echo chamber Uh, but that's that's super interesting that both of you you know had those other interests other things you were trying to do while you were still in school is that something you try to encourage in your students now oh yeah absolutely um if they take that advice
3: I don't know but um because I mean I see them like hanging out with other musicians too. And that's cool. But I mean, just to like learn like other perspectives, you know? Um, yeah, I just think that's really important just to make yourself like a well-rounded person. Um, know how to have conversations with people that aren't music related.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's hard when you're not used to it. I remember getting out of school and trying to meet other people and, and, uh, not having very much common ground or, or not knowing how to find it. So (laughs) That's, uh, that's awesome Now let's talk about sort of your life as a musical couple right now because you both have super successful careers you're doing really interesting things on your own together as a duo but you your professorships are in different states like you have uh, your, your main gig is in uh, you know several hundred miles apart so what what does that look like and I imagine it's a little bit different in covid times and the pandemic if you're if you're able to teach some remotely but let's first maybe go to before the pandemic what what has that looked like as your your full-time job is is putting you in different places uh
3: well i mean thank god for airplanes for sure um the some people know this like i'm from memphis tennessee so like when she got the job at um at u of m Like that just made sense because like, you know, like our house is 15 minutes from my parents' house, like my family's here. And so I'm like, sure, like, you know, like I can dig that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's really not difficult. Like, you know, some people, um, think and the cool thing about our gigs, I mean, we teach applied lessons, not like we're teaching like lecture courses. So we create our own schedules, um, which is
2: extremely convenient too that's awesome so martin are you then like how often would you commute back and forth what would a week or a month look like pre pre-pandemic i'm gonna be honest with you i
3: never really had a regular week because i mean besides the commute like then i was on tour with somebody i was either playing in somebody's orchestra or like i'm on tour with like you know Rodney marcellus's group and so i can't really say that i have a regular week that's fair um but the cool thing about my studio, um, you know, like you know, these cats are flexible because you know, like they they get it and they know that they're getting like their instruction and like they're getting like all the attention. And so yeah, you know, and then and what was, was what was cool about Zoom too because I was using Zoom way before it became a thing last March. Like I've been using <laughs> Zoom for the last five years, and so like you know, just as long as like they're getting that attention, and you know, if I'm on the road playing with the orchestra
2: i can still you know give like my students their lessons so yeah. nice Just so that pretty creative. yeah so that kind of makes it a an easy transition then in a way to right now um have you been based in in memphis both of you for for the past few months with everything going on
0: yeah definitely mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems so far away pre-pandemic i'm like what is that <laughs> yeah, what is time <laughs>
3: It's just yeah. life, yeah. and especially even like before the pandemic, I was on a sabbatical too. It's so yeah, I don't even really remember what life was.
1: Before.
0: Yes,
1: that's awesome. Uh,
2: well, what would you say is, you know, for thinking of our audience, there's a lot of younger people listening to this that might to be still in college, trying to figure out career, trying to figure out family you know everything that else that that comes with you know
1: you know john your, are they really thinking 20s, about that maybe. though in their 20s i don't know
2: i i <laughs> kind of imagine they are <laughs> uh,
1: but i mean it's just something that we don't really talk about and maybe it's just me but i feel like when i was in school i had tunnel vision i was just concerned with practicing and I'm just sure. trying to get through stuff
2: or for anyone who's just out and trying to re-examine their priorities perhaps but when when you think about your relationship what's what's the best part about being married to another professional musician um
3: well i mean that's also like what attracted us to each other um is we have the same interest like we get it you know what i mean um you know even though we might be in different worlds like brass and piano but you know we can have um conversations and you know we you know we get it we get each other we understand like when you know we're in different seasons when you know we're extremely busy or if there's like some admin work we have to do with our individual positions or you know if our tina's on tour with um you know with her trio um yeah like you know we get it you know um but then also like one of the difficult things too is knowing when to turn it off yep. too because you know i had like this business together um, but yeah, you know, gotta learn, to, uh, and we're still working on this. Like we're husband and wife first before we were the McCain duo,
2: you know, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. Grace and I sometimes find it very difficult to turn off talking shop or at least that's great. It's it difficult.
1: Yeah. <laughs> My brain is running like 25, eight. I'm like that
3: too, Grace. <laughs> but our team is great. Cause I mean, you know, like I'll, you know, we could be watching TV and I'm like, "Oh, we need to respond to this email or so and so." She was like, "Not after work hours." I'm like, "All right." And she like she'll put me in check and I'm like, "We'll have to talk about it the next day."
0: I've started using up uh, new apps where I turn yeah. my email off, so nice. I don't look anymore and it doesn't come in. It's a beautiful thing. That's
2: amazing. That's a really, really good tip.
0: That is amazing
1: and to be able to set that boundary for yourself is magnificent like I think that has to be so freeing you know when a lot of people are first starting out trying to build a career there's so much urgency they feel like they have to say yes to everything and it has to be right away you have to be the first to respond and it's something that I'm trying to figure out myself still you know John has to remind me hey it's late that can wait a minute (laughs) you know (laughs) right (laughs)
2: they're probably not going to see your answer tonight anyways they're not expecting it most likely maybe they are but oh, no. <laughs> uh, no, that's that's super good advice Artina now you know when you all met you were pretty far into your paths as musicians you know you're both you were in in doctoral programs or starting to teach Martin you were a professor already um, has has your relationship ever I, well I guess there's two questions here uh, the first is have either of you ever considered... A different career path outside of music and then the follow-up to that would be you know as adults married to other musicians have you ever considered as one of you ever thought of of changing paths because I feel like we talked to a lot of musical couples where at some point someone has to settle like somebody you know is the bigger job comes along for for one or the other and that means the move across the country it means something else but you know from this conversation so far you all seem pretty well well, adjusted, you seem to have struck a good balance. Uh, has it always been that way or has it been a little bit tricky to figure out?
0: Hmm. Well, I think at the beginning. So, I will just put it out there. This is our year 10 together. Yay! That's incredible. <laughs> yes. So, you know, we got a, we got a few years of experience here. <laughs> I wouldn't say we're veterans or anything, but we have enough to kind of look back and think about it. So, I think at the beginning maybe it was a little bit more difficult because Martin already had the job while I was actually still a DMA student, mm-hmm. which I thought was very impressive. I was like, oh, wow, this is a good pick up here. He already <laughs> has a job. <laughs> so, you know, that was cool at first, but then I didn't, you know, I eventually, I graduated within that first year of us getting married. And then it was like, well, you know, it's like the questions you asked, what am I going to do? And I was doing a lot of things that maybe weren't what I wanted to be doing. And so, you know, I had to really think about that. And, you know, fortunately, I'll pick up from what I mentioned earlier about how I injured myself, and I had to take some time off and also kind of redirect and think about what I wanted to do. I mean, that would have been a time that I was thinking about changing music careers, because it was like, I mean, I can't play. And For that's sure. what I've always wanted to do. That's all I, I know. And I'm a conservatory, you know, little brat. So I don't know anything else. <laughs> um, but you know, in the meantime, since that you know moment in time to after I got married I did find a modality which is offered me you know complete restoration of my body so obviously I mean obviously because I am playing now and so I actually started on that path I started thinking well if he has the job maybe I'll go back to thinking about concertizing and playing and recording and stuff like that so Outside of my injury, I don't think I've ever thought about leaving music completely, but I think my music career has morphed as I've gone along. And there's been things that have been more important at different stages. And, you know, for instance, I just wrote, I can say this now, a book for children of African-American songs um, for Hal Leonard. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that is not something that was on my radar, nor was it anything that I ever thought I want to do in my life. (laughs) And so, you know, I think when you're available and willing to take new opportunities then different stuff comes to you. So that was fun. I have never y'all ever <laughs> written anything. Martin was like, "What are you doing?" So <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's my answer anyway.
3: <laughs> Gosh, yeah, that's so profound. I I don't think so. I feel like I've I've just always loved music and I guess cuz like the way I started started off, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. Like when you know, I, when I started college, I was a music education major, because that's what all of my all state friends did in high school. (laughs) And then I found out very quickly, I was not interested in doing that whatsoever. And because I love performing. And you know, I was fortunate to, you know, be to to be able to go to like some top music festivals, even at a young age, even high school. And so like, I loved performing, I had a passion for that. I switched to being a performance major my sophomore year, but I still didn't know what that meant. I just know like, okay, I need to get a job. I have to like take some auditions. And if that doesn't work out, I need to go to graduate school and then, you know, kind of wait this thing out. But it's always been like, I know that I want to do something with music. And then, like I said before, you know, like moving to Texas and, um seeing that being a professor was an option and then um yeah and that seemed like a really great opportunity and I mean I love what I do because you know I get to work with great students and I get to perform when there isn't you know COVID um but you know and you can still create too I mean I feel like a lot of people kind of put professors in this box that you can only do one thing and you have to be in the studio five days out of the week. And I've never wanted to be that cat at all. Um, because if I'm not out creating, I mean, there's like no way I can pour into my students. It's impossible to teach my students to perform if I'm not doing it myself. But, um, I know I, you know, kind of took this another way, but, but yeah, I mean, that's all I've really thought about. I've always had other interests, um, things I've been interested in, um, like, yeah, like barbecuing or, you know, I'm like very involved in my fraternity. And like that's, you know, been for years. Um, but yeah, like I just love like, you know, I love
2: music. And so it's just a part of me. That's awesome. I don't know about you, Grace. I love to hear the the success story like this, because we've we've had a handful of interviews with people who are doing really interesting things, but have had, you know, maybe career changes in the middle or they're trying to figure it out now and they are doing cool stuff but they're not where they thought they would be and so uh, i it makes me really happy to hear how how well this has gone for you guys to be yeah. to be frank and you know going through these paths getting to where you are now getting to balance your life as professors with these other creative projects artina with the with the writing you're doing and and martin with everything else you have going on too um I feel like you two are uncommonly well-adjusted for for a music couple, uh, and that's it's refreshing because I think there's sort of this idea now that it's really hard to get to there, or maybe that even it doesn't exist anymore, like this path to having that job, having that life that you want, but, but hearing you all talk about it is refreshing and inspiring, so... I'm, I'm glad you all
0: Well, definitely yeah. a big bag yeah <laughs> yeah it's not a straight yeah. line yeah for sure it was definitely it's like a we're journey. still trying to
2: figure it out right so, <laughs> for sure for sure and grace and i you know it's it's been a, a really different path i never went and got a doctor but i and it's i don't it's been a while since we've caught up together but um i've basically totally transitioned away from music at this point in my professional life like 3 years ago i i took a, another job for the first time outside of music and i Ended up kind of going full on down this other path. And part of it was was spread on by how hard, even for us living in the same city, how hard it was for us to keep our schedules and for things to work out. And yep. I knew that we we're starting to get really serious. And in our freelance career, I mean, neither of us had professorships, but. Um, for us, that wasn't working, and I was getting a little burned out on some of the things I was doing. So I was I was ready for a change too, and I'm super happy I did. And I think a lot of things for our relationship is way better now. But I'm glad that there's a way to make it work still. It makes me happy to hear that yes. uh, that you all are doing so well. <laughs> oh, thank so you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to dive into you know a little of what you all are up to now. You likely haven't been on the road as much. So maybe we'll start, Artina, actually, if you want to dive a little bit deeper into the, the project you were just telling us about and then I know Martin's been up to some some arranging work too and you all have some conference appearances coming up and things like that but what uh, what have you been able to do now? You're recording an album you're, you're writing, what, what have you been up to?
0: I almost feel like don't tell anybody I'm writing because I've never written anything <laughs> in my life like, I think it's alright but you know um, it's still not a career path that was a small side hustle <laughs> um, so yeah during the pandemic, I released this album. I guess that's the most recent thing that I've done, Heritage. It's on Spotify, all the places, YouTube, that you can find music. Or, you know, if you really want to support somebody, you can buy it from my website and give me some coins. But you can also <laughs> listen for free.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So is that the best place? If we want to support you, yeah. is that the best place if to buy it? we want to
0: make sure you get
1: the most money, website's the way to go, right? That's yeah. right. Yes. You don't want
2: those Spotify streaming one one-thousandth one of one cent for every Right. Play. Exactly. So, yeah. exactly. Go, go buy the album.
0: Go buy it and then listen to it for free. So, yes. Um, yeah, and that project was of American composers. So I recorded some Charles Griffiths. I recorded some pieces by Coleridge Taylor Perkinson. I recorded some spirituals. I recorded some pieces by George Walker, who I actually ended up doing my dissertation on. So it was, it was a really great project, a lot of fun for me to do. Yet, like I mentioned, I did record it before the pandemic, but then, you know, life kind of got in the way and it was just sitting on the shelf. And then with less traveling, it's like, oh, I can, I can publish that album that I've toiled and sweated over. So, you know, honestly, it was the perfect time. And I'm really grateful for that. Uh, besides that, I have, we have been doing a lot of virtual events. I mean, yeah. I sit on my computer and go all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> kind of getting spoiled by this. like, I am yeah. honest? because I'm like, oh. I just turn this off. I go to my kitchen. I have on my slippers the whole time. Like, <laughs> why do I want to get on a plane again? <laughs> so we've had a lot of those type of things. And I guess, you know, one of the big virtual events that we d- are doing coming up is the Music Teachers National mm-hmm. Association. We're one of the conference headliners. Yeah, That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> and that is in it- March 7th. What day is that?
3: I don't know if it's next month. I have to look up <laughs>
0: See, when you get on the phone, you know what the date is. When it's this you're like, wait, let me look at my calendar. What is that? <laughs> what do I need to <laughs> It's like March and, 15th or so.
2: Awesome. And what are you doing for that? Are you, are you speaking? Are you performing? Both? Oh, we're
3: performing. Like we're sending a a recital. Um, And since it's virtual, like that's something else that we've been doing a lot um, during the pandemic is, you know, getting our video team together. And we've been doing professional um, recordings of videos of rep. And we've been um, using it for some of our uh, virtual residencies at universities. And then we're also using it um, some some tracks for MTNA, too. So. That's awesome! Really, really excited about this one.
2: That's super cool. Um, And Martin, what what are you up to on your side of things as well? Have you been doing some uh, some new arrangements? Um. Well, I am working. on... Well,
3: collectively, we're actually getting ready to record another album um, of all uh, sacred music, and we're we're really excited about. We had, um, we had commissioned uh, some of our um, composer friends to do some arrangements. Uh, we had this idea a couple of years ago, like we get asked to play in churches all the time. And, you know, I've been playing um, music for bass, remote and piano, like sacred music, like the same stuff. And it was getting to the point it was getting kind of boring. And so we, we kind of looked at each other and like, we should just get someone to write new music. And like music that we enjoy to play. So uh, we commissioned um, some friends like David Wilborn, Marcus Wilcher, who are UT grads as well, um, who are, you know, who crafted these arrangements, but, you know, made them in like a jazzy style, just making them more interesting. And so, um, so yeah, like we have a you know recording project that's going to be coming out um, pretty soon that we're excited about. Um, I have a book that I'm working on too, that'll be out. Um, my dissertation topic was the role of the bass trombone in big band. Um, I, you know, even though I love playing in orchestra, I love playing in the jazz big band as well. And like, i have always loved like the role of like how it played. And so it's going to be like a play along track. Um, so whoever, you know, buys the book, they'll be able to, um, like I'm hiring a big band. They're going to record pieces, uh, record pieces down. And then the person can actually play along with a big band. And so, yeah, so, like, those are two big projects that are coming out um, this year. And recently, um, I've been curating some brass quintet concerts. Um, I did one for, like, the Beethoven concert series in Austin and just finishing up. Some videos right now for the austin chamber music center um you know as you guys know normally like we get to go in the schools and do these in-school concerts but that's not happening right now so they're doing this virtual format and so um so i'm doing like the brass portion of that and that's really exciting because um you know we're introducing not just like your standard brass quintet repertoire that's getting played um at commencement and weddings but you know we're get- getting to showcase like Music that doesn't really get played a lot, like George Walker's music for brass. I've been wanting to play that piece um, for so long, and it's been nice to actually get a quintet together and we've performed it for Beethoven, and you know we're doing it for ACMC. And so, um, so yeah, those are some things that are keeping us busy, um, like away from our university work.
0: Put a note if you want to give Martin some coins, which he'll split with me. <laughs> you can find his arrangements on oh, yeah. his website. I'll let you tell them where yeah. to give you the coins. No, I need to.
3: I need to do more of that, but I, I do have some arrangements that I've done, and like they've actually they've done pretty well. Like we recorded them on on our albums, and that's one of those things where I wish I had more time to do it. I know I have COVID, but I'm writing a book right now, but, um, but yeah, you know, I don't consider myself an arranger whatsoever, but it's like somehow like they've, you know, they've been hot and, you know, I have a distributor in the country and a distributor in Europe, but you can go to my website and buy on yes. direct. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: Awesome. laughs> we'll make sure that all of these links are in our show notes so that y'all can make some money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: send them over. Well, We'll definitely uh, plug that for you all as well. That's that's awesome. Uh, well, one of the things we wanted to get into since we have, you know, two professors with us here is sort of what, you know, in this crazy time where it feels like the future of music professionally is is really uncertain, you know, concerts aren't happening in, in live formats right now, but what as professors what type of careers are you preparing your students for? Are you teaching mostly performance majors? Do you have music education majors or is it a, a mix? But, but what are they, the kids you teach now, what are they hoping to do with that long-term? I guess I'll, I'll start with that one. Um,
3: so at Texas State, like in our School of Music, our flagship is our music ed program so like we prepare um several students to um to be um not just like a high school d- uh, band director or uh, or orchestra di- orchestra director I'm you know speaking from the brass end or a general uh, music education teacher um you know we have some students that are performance majors and so like they're trying to navigate that you know what type of jobs that they want um, you know, we've had, you know, students like win, um, professional jobs. Um, we also have a really great, um, sound recording technology program. Uh, those students only take lessons for two years, but those are great because, I mean, I've been able to use like my sound recording technology students to produce, um, stuff like, um, my, our last CD trombones are, was actually produced by one of my, Students. He was a current student at the time and mastered it and everything.
1: Oh, that's, that's great. So cool. so, yeah,
3: like these students, these students are, are the real deal. I mean, they, you know, they're getting hired in L.A. and New York once they graduate. And so, um, but, you know, I feel like the state of music education and not just like education major, but just as a whole. I mean, I feel like just people just need to learn new skills, quite frankly. Um, I never really liked the term mm-hmm. performance major. Even though I have three performance degrees, um, I really feel like it should be called like a freelance major because we're not, we shouldn't just be trying to teach people to play excerpts. All right. We need to be, you know, like I want to teach my students how to be employable. Like I'm trying to teach them like how to be entrepreneurs. I mean, I've had students who started their own like recording business when they were in an undergrad. And so like, those are the things that I'm really passionate about because um like I actually had a minor in undergrad in marketing and it's an interesting story how that even happened like I um was a work study student for the orchestra when I was an undergrad and I went to the University of Southern Mississippi and the orchestra um like the marketing was ridiculous for you know a south mississippi um university i mean one like the guest artists that we would bring in were ridiculous i mean my freshman year we had yo-yo ma my sophomore year we had itzak perlman my junior year we had renee fleming and dr jay dean is the director of orchestral activities at the time and i i believe he's the director of the school of music now um he told me when i was a work-study student he said you're a performance major right i'm like yeah And he said, you know, you should really consider taking business classes because no one is going to teach you how to mark, no one's going to market you better than yourself. And so I actually, I stayed in undergrad an extra year and just added these um, extra classes. And that's something that I really try to recommend my performance majors to do. Like I have a sophomore performance major now who's actually minoring in business because our uh, McCoy School of Business is, is amazing. And so, like, that's, you know, what, I, like, I personally want our, you know, future students to realize that, no, it, it, it's not just, like, a performance, like, orchestral track. Or if you're a music ed major, like, you have to be a band director. I mean, I mean the bass trombonist of the Metropolitan Opera and the New York Philharmonic have a bachelor's degree in music education. So, you know, like, it doesn't mean, like, that's what you have to do, you know? But you're just, you know, tacking on, like more tools to your tool bill and i mean i'm just passionate about this so i can just talk about this for <laughs> a long time I'll, I'll pass a over <laughs> no yeah.
2: that's so that's so good though martin that's that's the advice that you know we, we sort of feel that more professors should be taking that kind of approach of, of mentoring in that way um, or at the very least explaining that just the basic requirements of your performance degree don't entitle you to a certain position Mm -hmm. once you're finished I think some sort of expectation setting has to happen there and it feels like maybe that's not happening all over the place but that's that's really great how you're sort of advising your students into making themselves a little bit more uh, flexible and, and learning these new skills that's awesome thank you
0: yeah, it's, it's hard to take the blinders off students too. I think sometimes mm-hmm. I mean, we all have this, I won't say we all and maybe it's becoming less. But sometimes we have this romanticized view of what being a musician looks like because we see, you know, name your favorite artist here. And um, that is not always the case. You know, I mean, they, we don't know the zigzag, as I said, pattern that it took them to get there. And if you you don't really learn it in school, so you know you have to also want that for yourself to be curious. Like, oh, I wonder how so and so got to be who they are. You know, even your professors, you have to be curious. You know, ask the questions. If they're not willing to give you the answers, maybe that's not somebody you should be studying with. So <laughs> that's my, my thought about that.
2: <laughs> that's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Real talk with Artina I love it <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, So what about your students, Artina? What, what what sort of careers are they you know, hoping for? How are you talking to them about getting there and about all the other skills that you need like I think to still Martin's phrase having your tool belt in order to be a successful musician in, in the present day
0: Yeah, well, I try to do, you know, many of those same things. Something I do for my students that's like very practical is, you know, when we were in person, we had sort of this bulletin board where you could throw all the opportunities up there, but we don't have that anymore. So now I've created sort of this Google Doc, and as opportunities, festivals, fellowships, scholarships, you know, whatever is out there, I have it for them, and I constantly tell them, you need to go look. I kind of feel like if you don't have the desire or the energy to go click on the page, then maybe this isn't for you, you know, that's the easiest thing you can do is just click and look at the links, you know, you don't have to go anywhere. So that's one of the ways I do it. You know, many, especially pianists kind of have varied careers, varied interests. Some of them want to be church musicians. Some of them want to be collaborative artists. Some of them want to teach Um, Some of them aspire for, you know, more concertizing. So I think as a pianist, I always wish the degree was called the well-rounded pianist because Mm -hmm. (laughs) we end up doing so many things, you know, I don't think it's realistic to just have one goal and you sort of never know where life will take you. So, you know, currently it's kind of odd, but my students have been working a lot between teaching and these church jobs, because I think especially church jobs here, I mean, with all the virtual and all the extra stuff, it's actually been more work. Like, they need more people to do it. Um, So I think, you know, in a weird way, it's provided some more opportunities. And for the ones who want to concertize more, I I say this is the best time to be honing your skills. Yes. Absolutely.
2: That's perfect. That's perfect. It it feels like sometimes amongst professors, there's this dichotomy. and, And half of them feel that, you know, if you go and you study music, you're there to learn the art form you're learning to play your music play your instrument and learn the traditions behind that and that it's it's trade school uh, and and that you know what you do with that is kind of up to you but we're here to teach you this um, classical tradition essentially and then there's the other half sort of like yourselves who are being a little bit more proactive about Arming your students for real life, I suppose. And, I mean, is it really the half the job. I feel have. like that's
1: kind of generous. You <laughs>
2: Maybe know? half is really
1: generous.
2: <laughs> I, I seen it might be like the the one percent or, or something. <laughs> do you do you see that as an advantage as a professor in say you're recruiting with people you're bringing in? Are you able to have conversations from an earlier point about like really what you're trying to do with your studio and with the students that you teach?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I I have this conversation with, I mean, it doesn't matter if they're a high school senior or if they're a senior in undergrad, but that's that's what I'm about, um, you know, especially on the performance end, because, I mean, they have to realize what it takes to do that, all right? I mean, there's so many different teachers out there that can teach you how to play the excerpts, but, I mean, is there going to be a teacher out there that's going to be willing to take the extra leg to say, all right, well, you know, this is how you record an album um this is how you get on a sub list for a particular orchestra um this is simply how you keep a gig this is how you don't get fired this is how you you know get called back and um yeah like those things like i want everyone to know about you know it's not just like your standard yeah um conservatory style like yeah we'll we will get into the excerpts but you know we want to think a little bit further about that too
0: yeah. And I think, you know, again, I do believe a lot of students when I'm telling them these things, they just still have on the blinders. Yep. I mean, absolutely, the, the poison has been dealt and a lot <laughs> of people drank it. Yeah. <laughs> okay? definitely. definitely. Uh, and I, I keep hoping like, oh, you're a lot younger than me. Maybe you didn't drink it. They did. They drank it. Okay. <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm telling my students about all these things, but I think the ones that benefit the most from me, as a teacher are the ones who meet me halfway. So, you know, you can only do so much. You can't make the horse drink. right? (laughs) You can can lead them there. You can be like, you need the water. But I mean, if they don't want to drink it, they don't want to drink it. And probably a lot of us, you know, we don't realize um, the benefit of having mentors until after school or when we need them. (laughs) So, and Teachers, mentors or mentor teachers, they're really rare. I mean, I have some really great ones. We've all had some really Mm -hmm. great ones. But when I think about all of the people I interacted with throughout my education, the ones who were really invested in me as a person and me becoming the best that I was meant to be is very few. Yep. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: I mean, we were just talking to Giora Schmidt the other day, another professor, And he basically was saying that the modern day professor kind of takes the role of therapist sometimes and has to help students figure out not just the instrument, but, you know, how to do life on a day-to-day basis, you know, like how to adult, like, I I don't don't know. (laughs) Like what is adulting anyway? Like how do we even (laughs) do it? (laughs) Like John did you have these kinds of honest conversations with your professor ever, like when you were auditioning and just kind of looking at school? Did someone ever take you aside and be like, "Hey, this is what's up"? Like,
2: yeah, barely. It was it was pretty minimal, and you know, maybe I should uh, rephrase that a little bit. It it happened, but it, it wasn't this kind of conversation we're talking about now, where it's like, "Here's how you prepare for real life." You. Uh, you know, maybe take these business classes or maybe learn this other skill. I, I did have a – the professor I ended up studying with my undergrad did sit me down when I was considering going to that school and had a frank conversation with how difficult it is to find success in those traditional career paths. And sort of told some stories about some of his former students who were super accomplished. He was frank that some of them were, you know, much further ahead in their development. Than I was at my age, you know, when, when when coming in, you know, they were actually like a little bit ahead of where you are. Here's what's happened since then. it's been really hard. You know, they're not they're not landing that job. So he had that kind of honest conversation, which I really appreciated. But there wasn't so much of the like you're saying now, Martin. So here's what you need to do instead. It was just like, well, you you should come here. I think you'd be a good fit. But just know there's no guarantees on the other side, which I think is better than the alternative of never having that conversation because it, I, it, I wasn't surprised by how hard it was to make it in music. I knew it up front, but I, I, I might have been better off learning some other skills at the same time. And that might have helped me once I was out of school yeah, if absolutely. I would have gotten a jump on that. So... You know, we're entering February. This interview, I believe, is going to drop the 15th, so smack in the middle of February, which is Black History Month. And one of the things we wanted to ask you about with, with a couple of guests, some that our listeners have heard before and some that are going to be released a little bit after, we've kind of gotten into the topic of, you know, the classical music world that is 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 dominated by white men and has been for a long time it's sort of this tradition of playing music written by composers who came from certain backgrounds and looked a certain way. And even today you know you all are in something of a unique situation I think where you're you're black people who are in really successful positions at universities, helping shape the next generation uh what is it like being in that position in an industry that still seems to be very sort of traditional and backwards at times and and dominated by by white people where there's not a lot of diversity and inclusion
3: yeah so i mean i feel like in really any situation that I'm in, whether I'm playing in orchestra or like like my position, um, I'm usually like the only one. Um, so like if I'm going to sub with the orchestra and chances are there's no other black person in the orchestra, like the first thing I do um, when I go to the security guard, I make sure they know who, who, who I am and that I belong there and they're going to be seeing me for like the next four days or so. And so, um, you know, it's just stuff like that. And you know, when I sit down, I, I really like, I let my work speak for itself. I let my playing speak for itself. Um, you know, it's like funny, funny story. Like even like when I do, I do some Broadway shows, um, like one show in particular that had an all black cast, um, Motown, the musical. I mean, like the cast was 99% black. And I remember one of the cast members, um, like one of the leads that played Diana Ross, she looked down in the pit and said, wow, like there's only one black person in this pit. And so like, you know, that's kind of always been the story. You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, I grew up where, you know, my parents always told me that you have to work twice as hard And, you know, like that's kind of like always been built into my work ethic that, um, yeah, like I might have a colleague, um, that we could be the same age or what have you. And like, I might just have to just do a lot more than they do to get the recognition that I deserve. And so, um, you know, that really, that's just, that's life. And I feel like representation is extremely important. Um, I, I had a very unique situation with my trombone teachers like the ones who i call my primary trombone teachers um you know my teacher 7th through 12th grade um, was principal of the memphis symphony is a white male when i went to undergrad um my undergraduate trombone professor was a female uh, white female um, first female to get her doctorate in trombone and then my graduate school trombone professor was a black male and so Um, I feel like that was a very unique experience, but however, like when I was a Southern Miss, there was only one black faculty member. Now, in all honesty, I mean, I was an undergrad, you know, I wasn't really thinking about that, but when I look back, I'm like, wow, you know, like that was definitely a lack of representation. You know, when I went to UT, especially my first year, the only black faculty member just happened to be my teacher. And then, you know, one more came in my second year, another one came in, but, you know, like, there's always this like tokenism um, that is going on. And so, um, and, you know, and then I didn't really think about that when I was in school. But now as a professional, I mean, you see it all the time. I mean, my second position at uh, Henderson State University, um, I got that job in 2009. I was told that I was the first black faculty member in that music department. Wow. Um, then, but then I left after a year, I have no idea what it's like okay. now. I mean, it was a great place, but you know, I'm glad I moved to Texas, but you know, I mean, currently, (laughs) I mean at Texas state, you know, like I'm in year 11, like I've been like the only black faculty member until this year, but um, I'm still the only black full-time faculty member. Um, So, so yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of things that have to change. I mean, hiring practices uh, need to change. I mean, you really can't hire um, more Black faculty if, I mean, I can't be on all the search committees and I refuse to be on all the search committees, but um, but yeah, you can't have representation if, and you can't hire, you know, more Black faculty members if, you know, there's only one Black faculty member that might, you know, I'm not going to be on a string um, search committee. It's just not going to happen. So that's just my thoughts.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, the charge is really on people who are not black. Um, yeah, I don't want to work twice as hard. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think, mean, you shouldn't. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think, that's uh, the truth. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think sometimes other people think that because, mm-hmm. you, know, they, you know, it takes so much to get a nod, you know, sometimes I'm like, well, uh, I, we all went to the same school, you know, other people are, that are, in the same generation as me and even maybe other people who study with similar professors or other educators. I'm like, I don't need to work harder than you. <laughs> and, and sometimes I've already worked harder than them and they're getting more nods than I am, you know? And so that's always a little bit disconcerting. <laughs> so um, my, you know, my thing would just be like, if you are a non-Black person and you have Black friends, hire them. You know what I think is so sad is not too many of my colleagues, not too many, who are not black hire me. A lot of my work comes from other people who are black, and I didn't. I mean, like we just said, we were tokenized, so I didn't go to school with that many black people, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just like other black people that I've met, um, and that's just an easy thing, right? Since all of us were tokenized, if you're not black, you probably only know two black people that went to school with you, so it's not that hard to hire them. Um, I would also just broaden your own repertoire and your own knowledge of what it could do for you. I think people think they're doing black people favors by hiring them. Mm-mm. You're doing yourself a favor, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you want a more diverse experience. I'm not just talking about black, it could be anything. I mean, maybe, you know, for instance, at Martin schools, there's a large number of Latinx faculty. So maybe you don't need to hire any more Latinx. You know, my job, we have none. So maybe we need to have more, you know, and black. So I mean, you enrich your own life when you have more diversity in it. So if you're looking around and everybody's like you, whatever you may be, you need to ask, how can I be somebody who changes this? Not asking the minority person or the person that's not in the room, how can you get in the room? You need to open the door.
1: Absolutely. You know, I hate when we say we need to bring more black and brown people to the table to tell us how to diversify, how to make things more inclusive, how to make things more equal, Because it shows you exactly whose table it is. It shows you who's going to moderate and control the conversation. And it kills me because it puts the onus on people of color to defend their own humanity. And I really think that it is the responsibility of, sorry, John, white males especially. yes, And um, white people in in general. And non-black and indigenous people to really step it up and vouch for your colleagues and support them. They're hustling day in, day out and working so hard, creating beautiful art. And you need to hire them, yep. you know, ask them to create with you because they have so much to offer mm-hmm. and not just look for someone who looks like you.
0: Right. And I think it's a problem, right? Because, I mean, we all probably have a lot of friends that look like us, including us. You know what right. I'm saying? I mean, right. I have a lot of Black friends. So if you for me to hire Black people, yeah. I know tons of Black people. For sure. I, you know, my fault, I also know tons of other people because I was tokenized so many times that, of course, I know other people. But I'm saying for people who are non-Black, you probably only know a couple because that's the only people that were in the room, you know? Right. So it's actually not that hard. If you think, well, I only know five, well, I need to champion those five. And if every person did that, then the rooms would change. Mm -hmm. Definitely.
2: I love having that kind of actionable, you know, advice. I mean, that's something I think as, as a white person, we often sit back and we say, well, I know this is all wrong. This is so bad. But, you know, I'm not part of the problem. I'm not the one who's, you know blatantly offensively racist or something but so we excuse ourselves from from any kind of guilt because we we don't feel like we're bad people but that just shows you know anyone in this sort of career path where um there's all this work to go around in different sort of settings like you said artina how do you champion the people who are underrepresented and you know when you have that opportunity because whether you're in the position you run a festival or a concert series or you know someone's asking you to do a gig that you aren't able to cover you know how do you help people get that opportunity that otherwise maybe wouldn't be asked i think that's something for for a lot of people in music is is actually actionable and could actually make a difference so that that input is is amazing
1: Definitely. You know, I think we function on this idea that work is scarce and we get freaked out. We just only look out for ourselves and us only. And really, there's just an abundance of opportunity out there. We just sometimes have our blinders on and can't see it. And the truth is, the more we help each other out, the more we try to elevate each other and lift each other up, the better off we all are going to be. Exactly. And I mean, nothing makes me happier than seeing other people win, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because then
0: that you win with them. Exactly. I think that's what people don't do. It. It's like when I win, yes, you win too. <laughs> 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 Help other people win so you can win. You know, right? Yeah.
2: Well, to close things out here, let's go. We'll go rapid fire, um, and and finish up with with a few quick ones for you. But this has been so much fun, Artina Martin. Uh, we'll we'll have to get back on here with you again at some point in the future because you all have so much to share and and bring so much of a really welcome and I think needed perspective in, in our musical community. But um, where can people you know connect with you or find you either as the McCain Duo or individually first?
3: Well, as the McCain Duo, uh, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at um, McCain Duo. And, um, we have a YouTube channel, um, with our Elevate series, which is about to be coming out and our website, uh, com. and individually
0: at Artina McCain and McCain.com. If you want to give me some coins again for that <laughs> CD, go ahead.
3: <laughs> and my handles on, um, Twitter, Facebook, IG um, is McCain. Well, and YouTube is McCain Trombone and website
2: martinmccain.com.
0: Just Google our names, you'll find us. Somewhere. Yeah, that's easier. <laughs> yeah.
2: Google your names, you'll, you'll find it. You buy your CDs, buy your arrangements. Right. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy the CD as soon as this is done. Aww, I'm, the the podcast, thank so I'm accountable. God. I got to go do it. But um, A couple of the questions we usually ask our guests right at the end here. Um, first one, are you all? Are you all avid readers at all? And what are the last books you read?
0: So I'm reading The Heart of a Woman, which is uh, about Florence Price. You know she's trending. Yeah, she <laughs> is. <laughs> 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 uh, I was doing her stuff before she was trending. But anyway, um, (laughs) the book just came out not too long ago, actually, I believe. Um, Just a few years ago, The Heart of a Woman. It's very, very good uh, biography about Florence Price and her life and her music. And so, yeah, I actually was sort of inspired to do it because I was playing her piano cassero and I was like, I should learn, you know, go deeper. So it's a very good book. And if you're into the Florence Price trend, I would recommend
2: Nice. What about you? And
3: what I have on my nightstand right now um, is called the untethered soul. Um, And so like we we do um, vision boards at the beginning of the year, and actually at the top of my vision board says protect your energy. And I'm a huge advocate of that. And what I mean by that, um, like, who i'm giving my energy to like what am i giving my energy to Um, that's just really important in in self care and so like that's just fantastic you know just um just what you know just what the things that you can control and like what you put in your heart
1: nice i love that what
2: was the what was the name of the book again
3: the untethered soul the
1: untethered soul Soul i'm gonna have to add that to my list you know Something I've been working on, you know, realizing that my time is my time and I need to be careful about where I invest my energy and, you know, let go of the energy that doesn't serve me.
2: Absolutely. It's fantastic. Nice. Uh, next question up. Who is somebody in music that you've always wanted to hear an interview with?
0: Ooh, it depends on if they're telling the truth. people get on they have their stock answers um i i don't have like a particular person in mind but i think my younger self would have loved things like this that interviewed prominent pianists and them actually telling the truth about how they got to their career because even now you know if i hear some i'm not gonna put any names out there but if i hear some of them they're like oh i just was lucky no, you weren't. Something happened. Yeah. So I would, I wish more people were honest because one, it's encouraging, right? If you're in the same level of career, it's like, oh, that's how it happened. Or if you're younger looking up, you're like, oh, that's how I did it. Or it might be inspiring if you're looking to someone who's younger to you too. So that's what I would just love, like prominent musicians and who are telling the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> that's good. I mean, yeah, I don't have to really think about that. I mean, I, you know, my, my favorite probably a band of all time is new edition. And um, cause I think it's just a super group. I mean, they've been able to do it so many different ways as a trio, as a quartet, as a quintet, as a sextet and, and solo artists too. And so, um, and they're all still alive right now. So I just like to get them all in the room and just, you know, just hear them. I mean, they've been friends since they were, you know, kids and just have
2: conversations with them. <laughs> so next up, what music are you listening to right now? It could be classical, something you're practicing, something completely not related to your work.
0: <laughs> well, <I'm, laughs> I'll am start with what I'm practicing. So right now I'm practicing 3-4 Suite by Samuel Coleridge Taylor, which is a great suite of music. It's fantastic. I don't know why I don't know it or didn't know. I mean, I know it now because I've been practicing it. <laughs> but I guess, honestly, in general, I love all sorts of pop music, but... By the end of the day, I'm usually pretty tired of listening to music, so I'm currently binging telenovelas. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <good>. that's awesome. <laughs> amazing. Yes. I'm watching Mariposa de Barrio, okay? Yes. <laughs>
1: amazing. <I> love
3: it. <laughs> and like what I'm currently practicing, well, besides the stuff that's about to be on this album, um, I am learning this concerto, like I mentioned. You know, David Wilborn. He's like one of my favorite composers and a good and a great friend. Um, I'm learning his concerto right now um, because he's uh, he's a bass trombonist as well, and he's the only person that's played this concerto. And I feel like I need to learn it. And so, um, so yeah, learning learning that. Um, I was part of a commission consortium um, a few years ago and i never you know played the piece because we were busy like recording albums and you know just trying to learn other music so i'm finally like learning this piece by james david who's on the faculty at colorado state and it's actually a really really hit piece i guess artina doesn't realize that, that she's gonna have to play it at some point because it's what makes it's wrong
1: <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: not,
3: not anytime soon oh, but good. yeah i'm just trying to get my nose it's <laughs> 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 so uh so yeah that's that's what i have on on the practice stand and as far as what i'm listening to i mean erica badu is my F. favorite like I don't want to say female artist, but my, one of my favorite artists of all time. Thank you. Um, so like, I really dig her. So like, you know, like I'm listening to her channel a lot, but also, um, like I've been like really into, I mean, you probably don't even know this. I've been like in the Nipsey hustle a lot recently. <laughs> um, especially like oh, on awesome. um, Dora, like he just happens to be like on, um, Erica Badu's, um, channel and so like you know I just kind of hit that thumbs up and I've been listening to a lot of his stuff and yeah it's kind of sad because I wasn't really you know listening to him before he passed away but yeah like i really been digging his stuff recently so like that's what I'm listening to when I'm going to the gym
2: <laughs> nice
1: that's awesome all right so final question here what is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given
0: oh
3: Oh, you were. I've got one. Oh, oh I mean,
0: well, I always that doesn't usually happen. But <laughs> it's only because you asked another question, and I thought about you know the professors you were asking like how we mentor them, and I was actually thinking about this one professor who told me something. I was like, I would never say that to my students, and so yes, now I can tell you what it was. <laughs> so... The worst advice I ever got, it was when I was an undergrad, God rest her soul, she's no longer with us, but she asked the whole class, I hope none of you actually plan on being performing artists. (gasps) I know, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And I was sitting there like, well, actually, I thought that, you know, I might be okay (laughs) as (laughs) a 19-year-old, You know, I know nothing. But I was like, why am I in her class? And she's telling us we should all not be performance majors, and we're all performance majors. It's ironic now, because several of us have done very well. But that is something I would never tell somebody what they cannot
1: do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. The nerve. The audacity. I know. I
0: know. We're all kids, so we're all sitting there like, <laughs> we just dashed our <laughs> dreams and we're
3: all 19. <laughs> Golly, that's hard. Um, actually, I'm just, you know, I mean, I probably heard something towards, I mean, kind of close to what you said. Um, I mean, I, I always hated, like, and I guess it was kind of discouraging when I was an undergrad, when, when guest artists would come because they would, you know, say, like if you're majoring in music or if you're a performance major, you know, chances of getting a job or, but I don't know if that was a, well, I guess that's kind of advice too, but I mean, that was definitely discouraging. And that is something I don't do when I have residencies. Like I try to be encouraging as possible because I don't believe in starving artists. Um, I mean, I think I believe in lazy artists. And so I I don't believe in that. I believe that there are lazy artists, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's just like the work ethic. But, um, but yeah. I guess that's you know kind of like the same advice you know just being encouraging and like that's probably some like the bad information that i got that you know there's not enough um work out there yeah that's that's it like people saying like there's not enough work like you're gonna be an orchestral musician and that's it and you can't you know have a career um as a performer
0: to create your own opportunities exactly if you go in like that then you'll create something and if falls in your lap then there you go
3: yep
2: awesome well thank you both so much for coming and hanging out with us tonight it is great to see you when we swing through Memphis next time Martin we're gonna have to uh get some barbecue for sure
1: yes absolutely
3: absolutely there are plenty of places but then you know I'll make my own too
1: (laughs) right
2: (laughs) Awesome. Well, everyone go follow Artina and Martin. We'll drop all their contacts that they mentioned in the show notes. And again, thanks so much. This has been super inspiring hearing your stories. And um, it's, I think, a really encouraging, uplifting conversation. Hey, there's hope out there. You can you can study music. You can get a job. You can be married to a musician and not settle and be miserable. You so, can have it uh, all, this... everyone. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That was the McCain Duo. If you really enjoyed their interview and want to support them, give them some coin. Go find them on the web. Artinamccain.com, MartinMcCain.com, and McCainDuo.com. Go buy their albums, buy their arrangements, and you can also find them on socials. At ArtinaMcCain, at McCainTrombone, and at McCainDuo. Thanks again for joining us on Musical Therapy. If you like this episode, give us a five-star rating and follow us on Instagram at Musical Pod. We'll catch you next time.